guys, I'm your host Tara A. Devlin, and welcome to this week's episode of Koobana, true Japanese scary stories from around the internet. The latest volume of Koobana, volume 11, is now out. This volume has over 80 different stories of creepy ghosts, abandoned buildings, frightening monsters, haunted locales, and much, much more, so do check it out right now. We also have a brand new design up in the Koobana merchandise store. You can check that out at koobana.store. We have shirts, mugs, stickers, masks, and much more, so do check it out and help support the show at the same time. This week, we're looking at stories of strange encounters, and first up, a young girl unknowingly ends up learning a trick from her mother on how to deal with seeing the terrifying other side. How does it work? Find out in... Who are you? For as long as I've been able to remember, I can see ghosts. Ghosts are everywhere, and if you don't pay special attention, then it's hard to tell them apart from regular people. The only real difference is that they can't interact with their surroundings. They can't talk, nor can they interfere with anything. Another way of putting it might be that they're like air in the shape of a person. And so, even though I can see them, they never affect my life. When I was in junior high, there was an incident where a student fell from the roof past the classroom windows and died. I didn't know whether it was true or not, but there were rumours that their ghost was still hanging around as well. I was used to this kind of stuff since elementary school, so I figured it wouldn't be a problem and went about my daily life as usual. But the first time I entered the classroom after that, there they were. Ah, there they are. I thought as I glanced at them. Then their head quickly turned my way and our eyes met. They were looking at me. I'd never experienced anything like that before, so I was so surprised that I could feel my heart pounding. But even more frighteningly, they then started walking towards me. Holy crap, what should I do? I hadn't expected any of this and I started to panic. I fell to the ground on the spot and then some of my classmates carried me to the nurse's office. Then I was allowed to go home early. On my way home, I suddenly turned around and, to my surprise, the ghost was standing behind the telephone pole nearby. They were following me. When I got home, out of breath from running, my mother looked at me worried. What's wrong? she asked. How was I supposed to explain to her that a ghost was following me? I mean, I'd never told a single person, ever, that I could see ghosts. They'd never once caused any harm to me, nor had I ever been possessed. As such, how was I supposed to know what to do with this situation? Luckily, I never saw the ghost at home, but I still wasn't able to sleep very well that night. When I went downstairs in the morning... My mother was making breakfast. Good morning, I said, but then she looked at me oddly. Who are you? She said, before quickly following it with, Ah, hey, good morning. And just like that, she was back to being my regular mother. Was my mother, perhaps, able to see ghosts too? But being the morning, there was no time to talk about it, so I quickly got ready for school and then left. 
At school, I could see the ghost again. All they did was look at me, nothing else, but that alone was stressful. I continued pretending that I couldn't see anything. I got home from school exhausted, and when I opened the front door, my mother was standing there. Who are you? was the first thing that came out of her mouth. What? It's me, I said. I know. Welcome home, she replied. When the opportunity presented itself after dinner, I spoke to my mother. Mom, can you see ghosts? I asked. Eh? What? What are you talking about? It seemed she had no idea what I was trying to ask. But then something clicked, and I figured I might be able to use it. The next morning, each time I locked eyes with that ghost, I muttered, Who are you? At first I was frightened whenever I saw them, but strangely, over time, I became less and less afraid. Then one day, when I went to school, something strange happened. The ghost stopped looking at me. They also stopped leaving the classroom, and just like every other ghost, they seemed unaware of me when I got close. My normal, peaceful life returned. Now that I've grown up, I've encountered several ghosts over the years that have recognised me. Each time they do, I use this same method, and over time, they lose interest in me. I still don't talk to my mother about ghosts either, but I think she can see them too. I'm certain she indirectly taught me how to deal with them. A group of fifth graders go on a camp, and to end the night, they must undertake a test of courage. Yet, after counting student numbers, they realise something quite strange and horrifying. Find out what in The 36th Child. This happened on a camping trip I went on during the fifth grade. After we were done eating in the dorms, we all went outside to sit around the campfire. We'll be doing a test of courage on our way back, one of the teachers suddenly said. According to the schedule, we were supposed to return straight to the dorms after the campfire, so everyone in the class started to panic a little. Some kids were excited, while others froze in fear. As for me, I hated ghosts, so I was honestly scared to death. I was the type who was too scared to even enter a haunted house at a theme park, but I couldn't exactly show the girls in class that I was a coward. That would be the worst. And so, I pretended that I was perfectly fine with this surprise addition to our night. The teacher told us that we'd take part in pairs, one boy and one girl, and we had to take turns walking down the dark path back to the dorms. I was paired with a pale-skinned, emotionless girl by the name of Asan. Even though we were classmates, we'd never actually spoken before. Ah, well that sucks. I was hoping it would be a cute girl, I thought. It's going to be even scarier with her. It was a little rude, sure, but secretly I was disappointed, and we waited for our turn without even looking at each other. Then, finally, it was our turn, and we walked down the dark animal trail. 
On the way, one of the teachers jumped out and tried to scare us with some cheap tactics, but I was already so scared that my body went stiff on the spot. Asan, on the other hand, kept walking without reacting or showing any sign of emotion. She strode confidently and without fear down the dark path. I thought she was just never had any emotions, but at a time like this, she sure is reliable, I thought. And using Asan as my shield, I was able to make it through the rest of the test. When the last pair arrived at the dorms, the teachers started counting to make sure everyone was there. Huh? That's odd, one of them said, tilting their head. What's wrong? Someone asked. We said to make pairs, and yet there are only 35 students in our class. That would mean one should be left over, but you all came here in pairs. Everyone started screaming and yelling, but the teacher made us stand in our pairs again in a line so they could check. We stood in the same order as the test, and next to me was Asan. Or so I thought, but she was actually standing behind me. Hurry up and line up, I said, but she continued to look at me with that emotionless face. Eh? But I was partnered with Bikun, she said. At that moment, all eyes fell on me, the one person without a partner. Who did you come here with? The teacher asked, and a chill ran down my spine. I was so scared that I felt sick, and the teacher took me back to the dorm so I could lie down. I was exhausted from hiking that day, and the test of courage made me so scared that I almost passed out, so when I got into bed that night, I passed out right away. Yet for some reason, around 2am, I suddenly woke up. We were all sleeping in sleeping bags in a large open hall, and of course, everyone was asleep. I tried to go back to sleep myself, but I couldn't. And when I turned over, I sensed someone at the nearby window looking at us. I was so scared that I tried to seek help from my friend sleeping next to me, but I couldn't speak, nor even move. I was frozen on the spot. It felt like somebody was looking at me, getting closer, and I thought that maybe it was the girl who was with me during the test of courage. I grew frightened once again. Please, don't come any closer, I prayed. It was the only thing I could do. Next thing I knew, the sun was up and the hall was getting brighter. It seemed I had fallen asleep. And that was my experience. Nothing much happened after that. But even now, several decades later, I still get chills when I think about who that 36th child might have been. The girl in this next story is apparently often possessed, and she has a rather unique way of dealing with it, as her friend comes to understand. Find out how in My Friend's Purification. The junior high I went to was an all-girls school, and the first friend I made there was a little different to other girls. When you talked to her, she was just a fun, normal girl, but sometimes she would suddenly turn and look into space with a scared look on her face, or she would scream out of nowhere like something had frightened her. 
Over time, everyone in class started to keep their distance from her. I felt so bad for her, seeing her isolated from everyone else. When I was in elementary school, I was bullied. Everyone in class ignored me, so I was always alone, and it was a really rough time for me. And so, perhaps I saw a little of myself in her. I wanted to help her out in whatever way I could. I wanted to know what caused her strange behaviour, so one day, I asked her. It's nothing, was all she would say at first. But clearly, it wasn't nothing. I pestered her over and over, and bit by bit, she finally told me the truth. Ever since she was a child, she could apparently see ghosts. Ghosts seemed to be attracted to her, and she'd been possessed and cleansed numerous times over the years. And, apparently, she had been possessed again. This time, it was the spirit of a child, she said with a straight face. But, to be honest, I didn't know how much to believe of what she was saying. Maybe she was lying, or maybe it wasn't a lie, but rather, she was suffering from mental illness. Her unexpected response almost made me want to distance myself as well, but I managed to hold on. If I abandoned her as well, then it might be enough to stop her from coming to school entirely. Well then, you have to have an exorcism, right? I said. We're in the middle of preparations, she replied. She said she left a doll at a shrine, and although the spirit of the child was enclosed in that doll, it was incredibly angry, and she often saw hallucinations of things, like snakes and bugs. After hearing that, I was still worried and somewhat dubious each time she jumped in fear. One day, she asked me to accompany her to the purification ceremony. The date had been set, and she wanted me with her because she was afraid. I don't know if it's inappropriate to say, but when she asked me, I was like, Wow, so they really do perform such ceremonies, huh? I was intrigued and so I agreed to join her. The ceremony took place at a shrine near her house. There were some tools I didn't really understand for the ritual on top of an altar, and in the middle, there was a regular doll with its eyes closed, and a single egg. My friend was dressed in white, and she sat down in front of the altar. Her mother, grandmother and I sat on either side of her, Her parents were divorced, and so her father wasn't there. When the ceremony began, the priest threw something like rice at her as he chanted. Then she started to scream and struggle. The whole scene was strange beyond words and didn't even look real. Maybe she wasn't the one who was losing her mind, but rather me. It all felt like a wild hallucination. But still, I couldn't take my eyes off what was happening, and continued to watch. For a moment, I thought I saw the doll on the altar move, and then something came flying towards me. It was the doll's head. It landed in front of me, rolling across the ground until it stopped just a few centimetres away. Its eyes, which were supposed to be closed, were now open. I froze, and the priest continued chanting, while throwing rice at me, too. This strange scene continued for a while, and then finally, it seemed the ceremony was over. To end, 
the priest cracked the egg. Strangely, inside the egg was completely empty. According to the priest, the spirit was a combination of a child and a snake spirit, and it was incredibly powerful. When the doll's head flew towards me, it was trying to possess me because it had nowhere else to go. That was why I had to be purified as well. It all sounds fake, but it really happened right in front of my eyes. I do sometimes wonder if I dreamt the whole thing up, but I am still good friends with that girl even now, so I have to accept that it was reality. But ever since then, whenever I see a doll in a toy store, I shiver in fear. Can brand new technology be haunted if you take it to a well-known ghost spot? For the person in this next story, it sure seems that way. Find out why in Digital Camera Footage. I got a call from my parents last night asking me if I was going to return for the Obon holidays, so let me tell you about something that happened during a previous Obon. It might be a little exaggerated, so please forgive me. This happened one night during Obon when I was a university student in Tokyo. Being the holidays, I returned to my parents' home and there were lots of relatives I hadn't seen for a long time. One of my cousins, I'll call her Keiko, was like a younger sister to me, and she had a digital camera with her. Seeing as it had been a while since the family was all together, she decided to film some footage. Everyone had drunk quite a bit, so at first she was rather happy and tipsy, but then her mood suddenly changed when the digital camera began to play up. I can record sound, but no picture, she said, complaining about it. The camera was brand new, so there shouldn't be anything wrong with it. Keiko's father and I decided to take a look at it for her. Just as she said, the footage she recorded was pitch black, but you could still hear the sound. But there was something strange about that too, like white noise was running through it. I wasn't terribly familiar with technology, but it was odd for the white noise to be so loud. The camera was still brand new. When I played it back again, I noticed something clearly strange other than the noise, but I didn't want to destroy the mood, so I said nothing. Our relatives made fun of us, saying that we were technologically inept. But then my mother, who had clearly noticed something wrong, took the camera and played back that same file again. It seemed she had noticed the same thing as me, and she let it slip. I can hear something other than the white noise here. Oh no, I thought, but it was too late, and the room fell quiet. The same relatives that had been teasing us were suddenly interested, and everyone there stopped to listen to the video, but it seemed my mother and I were the only ones who noticed something other than the white noise. Well, now we've sobered up, said everyone other than Keiko's family, and they left to visit the nearest Izakaya pub, looking a little creeped out. Only my family and Keiko's family remained. And, of course, the camera in question. My mother felt bad for ruining the mood, so I tried to support her. I heard it too. It wasn't just mum. 
It was at that moment that I remembered my mother could sense the supernatural. She had apparently been able to see ghosts ever since she was a child, and although she didn't exactly suffer from it, every now and then she sensed things other people couldn't see. So, does that mean... I thought, but then my grandmother interrupted us. Did you hear something? She asked. It sounded like a man's voice, my mother said. He was saying something about cleaning. Everyone in the room looked confused at that strange and unexpected word. Cleaning. But then my grandmother seemed to remember something. You haven't finished cleaning your father's room yet, have you? The father she was referring to was my grandfather, of course. Apparently everyone, including me, had arrived earlier than my mother expected, so she hadn't yet finished cleaning the entire house. And one of the rooms she hadn't yet gotten to was my grandfather's room. Maybe he's here now, so he wants you to clean his room, my grandmother said. And despite the fact it was already late, she insisted that we clean it for him. We decided it would be better than doing nothing, so everyone who was still in the house went to his room to clean it. By the time we were done, our relatives who went out had returned, and it seemed they had forgotten all about the problematic camera. They even said they were going to start drinking again, and so yet another drinking party began with both my family and Keiko's family as well. It was good to see my mother smiling again, but something still didn't feel right. You see, what my mother heard, and what I heard, appeared to be different. Hey, is that camera really brand new? I asked Keiko casually. She was a little drunk, so she answered without any sign of being upset. Yeah, it is. Ah, but I dropped it at the train station and... It seemed to be on at the time, and it took a strange photo, she said with a smile. She went past that previous video, and I was so creeped out that I got goosebumps. The sound I heard on that video sounded like people screaming on a train, and the sound of something being crushed. And, for just a moment, I saw what looked like somebody's eyes. When I asked her which station it was, she told me the name of a famous spot where people often took their own lives. Even I, who grew up in the countryside, had heard of it. I told Keiko she should take the camera and have it cleansed, but she didn't seem very concerned and brushed me off. One week later, however, it seemed she changed her mind and she went to have the camera cleansed. She didn't tell me why, but she kept repeating, It's looking at me. Did my mother lie at the time so she didn't ruin the mood further, or was that what she really heard? I still don't know why exactly Keiko changed her mind, but I didn't push matters any further. And after that, Keiko and her family stopped coming to my parents' house for Obon as well. You may have heard stories of red and blue onis, but in this next story, they're not quite oni, but... Rather something else. Something perhaps far more terrifying. Find out why in Red and Blue Ghost Story.
was at home studying for this year's national exams when around 2am I heard a sound tapping on the wall. Tap, tap, tap. It sounded like someone gently hitting the wall with the palm of their hand. I went to check where the sound was coming from, but there was nobody there. Not to mention the fact my apartment was on the corner of the fourth floor, so it wasn't like somebody could be out there tapping anyway. A short while later, I heard it again. Tap, tap, tap. I couldn't concentrate on my study, so it was beginning to annoy me. And then, when I heard it again, I turned to the wall and hit it as hard as I could. Looking back on it now, I apologised to my neighbour. I'm glad they didn't complain about the noise. At any rate, the noise stopped and I finished studying around 3am and then went to bed. The next day, around 2am again, I heard that same noise. Tap, tap, tap. Oh, come on, I thought. I got up to kick the wall, but then the sound suddenly stopped. Maybe I should go to bed early, I thought, and then went to wash up. As I was in the shower, I suddenly felt something kick me from behind. It was like a foot connected right with the middle of my back. After that, I don't know why, but I often felt someone pushing my back when I was walking around. Like not too long ago, I felt someone shove me from behind when I was waiting for the train, and I almost fell off the platform. And last month, I nearly died twice. The first time was when someone pushed me at the train station, right as the train was approaching. I'm gonna fall, I thought, and then someone grabbed my wrist and yanked me back onto the platform. I fell onto my backside, but when I turned to see who saved me, nobody was there. The moment they grabbed my wrist, everything felt really hot and my vision went bright red. But when I looked around, I was all alone. The second time was when I was waiting at the bus stop. Again, somebody shoved me from behind. I was carrying a heavy bag at the time and I lost balance and fell onto the road. I thought a car was about to hit me when, again, something yanked me back with incredible force. I almost died. I was with one of my friends at the time, so he saw it too. You looked even more unnatural than a gymnast, he said. Well, yeah, it wasn't my own power that did that. That same friend was familiar with occurrences like that, and because he was worried about me, I told him everything that had happened up until that point. There's someone behind you, he said. I knew it. Yeah, they're big. What do they look like? Hmm, like a red man. When I asked him more, he said that this figure didn't seem especially harmful. It wasn't like they were a guardian angel either, but at least something like that? Whatever had been helping me all this time was, no doubt, the red man. So then, who pushed me? I don't know. Hmm, who could it have been? As we were on our way home, my friend noticed the shadow of a boy on the road. Hey, 
I think that's who pushed you, he said. Apparently, he was pure blue, with large eyes staring right at me. Don't look at him. If you do, it'll all be over. I mean, I couldn't look at him even if I wanted to. Apparently, when we passed him, he started floating in the air behind us, right around head height. As we were waiting at some lights, the child approached me, as expected. Then, something shoved me forward. The next moment, something grabbed my wrist and pulled me back. Again? My friend saw the whole thing go down. What happened? I asked. Ah, uh, the blue child shoved your back. Then the red man grabbed your wrist and pulled you back. But, I don't know, there's something wrong. What? The red man was staring at you the whole time with his arms crossed until the blue child pushed you. I think they're messing around. What, so they were in on it together? No, I don't think so. I think the red one is your guardian spirit, but the blue child is simply too powerful, and so he can't stop him. So he's unable to do anything until the very last second. My friend said he'd talk to a priest he knew about it the following day, and we said our goodbyes. The more I thought about it, maybe the blue child was pushing me because I had my back to him. It was a childish thought, but next time I waited at the lights, I waited with my back facing the road. It must have looked strange to other people, but in the end, nothing pushed me. When I was waiting at the bus stop, the woman next to me suddenly went flying onto the road and got hit by a car. I saw it happen right in front of me. It was like someone shoved her and then she fell onto the road, right in front of a truck. Of course, I was okay, but I was angry at my guardian spirit. Like, don't just stand there, help others too. My friend later told me that the thing responsible for the sounds in my apartment was indeed that blue child. It wasn't exactly the spirit of a human, but rather something that harmed indiscriminately. But I was still worried about that woman who got hit. I mean, I saw it happen. It was a traumatic experience for me as well. And my friend was pushed as well. So my guardian spirit really didn't care about anyone else, huh? I'll be going to a purification ceremony with my friend sometime in the near future. And finally this week, a young man enjoys going on solo trips to new places around the country without any real plan in mind, but on this particular night, he comes across something he could never have expected. Something that nearly changes his life forever. Find out what in Thunder at the Station. This happened when I was in university. I often went on trips during the summer holidays. It wasn't anything fancy like trips overseas or trips to discover myself. I'd just buy a train ticket to somewhere I'd never been before, eat some food, take a bath, 
buy some souvenirs, and then go back home. This was at the turn of the century, when the internet wasn't yet that common and pages were far more common than mobile phones. I had no way to dig up information about where I was going, so I always just up and left without a plan. I generally stayed in manga cafes, and occasionally I'd spend the night in a train station as well. So this happened one summer. I took the local line somewhere in Kanto and got off one station before the final stop. I was the only person who got off, and the only reason I stopped was because I was intrigued by the station name. That was it. The next station was no doubt bigger and more populated, but I was already pretty sleepy and hungry to boot. As it turned out, that decision was just the start of a night from hell. For an unmanned station in the middle of nowhere, the building itself was rather nice and I'd have no problem spending the night there. There were no houses nearby and, of course, no shops either, but there was a vending machine and clean toilets. And even better, there was an open-air hot spring within walking distance as well. I had already been to another hot spring that same day, but there was no reason not to go again, so I made my way over. I climbed the mountain path out of town and found the small hot spring right in the middle of the forest. It was nothing but a small bath with a roof over it. I put some change in the fare box and bathed in the light of the mini lantern. The experience was relaxing, but then suddenly the wind got cold. It seemed it might soon rain, so I got dressed and made my way back to the station. The spitting rain soon turned into a downpour once I got back. I just missed it. I put my luggage beneath the bench and sat down, proud of myself for recognising the signs and just missing the heavy rain. The building was dark, but the lights on the platform were on, so I didn't have any trouble seeing my stuff. I took out my favourite sleeping bag, got inside, then set my alarm for an hour before the first train. That was when I realised something about the area felt off. Something smelt like a wild animal, a beast, and as my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I noticed a man crouched in the corner of the building. My heart pounded, and it took all I had to keep my teeth from chattering. The rain outside had just started pouring heavily. I could hear thunder in the distance as well. I'd made quite a bit of noise since I got back, right? So, that man was just watching me in silence the whole time? Nervously, I looked closer at him. He seemed to be sitting formally, his legs tucked beneath him, and his head hung forward so I couldn't see any expression. He wore chino pants and a t-shirt, and looked better dressed than me. His hair was carelessly set, and his large body didn't move, nor could I hear him sleeping. Not even a minute had passed, but I was like, he has to be dead, right? Hey, I said in a tiny voice. There was no response. Bang, I clapped my hands suddenly no response. I decided to change the time on my alarm to now to see if that worked. It rang loudly, but still, no response. 
that decided it. He was dead. The lights were on when I first arrived at the station and I was certain he wasn't there then, meaning he must have arrived while I was at the hot spring. But the question remaining now was whether it was an accident or not. I recalled there was a payphone outside, so maybe I should call the police. But supposing the man really was just sleeping, then that would be kind of rude. I approached the man, stomping as loud as I could, and then I bent down to look at his face. I really shouldn't have. Blood dripped down his chin like drool. But still, I had to know. I touched his arm, and it was cold. It was hard. Rigor mortis. He really was dead. The moment I put my hand on the door to leave, I suddenly had a thought. If I called the police, well, I was the first person to come across the body, right? That would mean interviews and all sorts of stuff, right? If things got bad enough, they might even suspect me. I sat down on the bench again to think. At any rate, I put my sleeping bag and such back in my luggage. I had to think of my alibi from when I got off the train up until now. I didn't see anyone. Well, I did see this guy. Hang on, there was still a chance it was an accident. Maybe he ran in here to take cover from the rain just like me and then sat down and died. I approached the man again and turned on the mini lantern. Oh no, there was a mark on his neck, like he'd been strangled. Well, that settled it. Crap. Well, first things first, I had to think of a way to prove my innocence and then call the police. That was my mindset at the time. If he was killed, then I should have called the police right away, and if I knew the time of death, then I'd have more than enough evidence to prove where I was at that time, but I didn't even think of that at the time. I was more worried that I wouldn't be able to go to work if the police kept me for questioning. The more I thought about it, the more confused I got. Then a little devil on my shoulder whispered something in my ear. Run away, it said. I had no idea who this man was. I had no connection to this town, and I was clearly innocent, so the idea was certainly appealing. I should walk to the last station on the line, and then it would be morning before I knew it. And so, as I reached for the door, thunder rumbled outside, and I suddenly remembered that it was pouring rain. I sat on the bench again and debated what to do. Spend the night with the body. Wait for the rain to stop at dawn and leave. I stared into space as various thoughts ran through my head. Before long, I could smell it. The smell of the man. The smell of death. The situation didn't sit right with me. I decided to go through the ticket gate and sit on the platform instead. I saw a waiting room in the distance. Lucky! I climbed the stairs and made my way over. The lights were off, but there were cushions on the benches, so it was more comfortable than I thought. If it wasn't for that body, then I could sleep here till morning. That was what I honestly thought. But next thing I knew, I was passed out, sound asleep. 
It was still dark outside, but when I opened my eyes, it was dawn. The rain had cleared up, and a beautiful starry sky that you couldn't see in the city spread out above me. Amazed, I crossed the bridge and returned to the station building. I wanted to leave the station without seeing that body, but after I passed through the ticket gate, I noticed the body was gone. Instantly, I adopted almost a fighting pose like a mantis. Did the body move? Was it still alive? I began panicking. I didn't know what to do. I just screamed like, Wah! and then I started to sing about how the number of tears would make me stronger or something. When I was done, I sat on the bench again. I tried to control my breathing and let my head cool down. I examined the area where the man was and there was some type of stain there. Blood? Drool? I couldn't really tell. I smelt the room and then I noticed something. There was something new I didn't smell the night before. Tobacco, maybe, but it was still fresh. I checked the ashtray, but there were several discarded butts in muddy water, so I couldn't tell anything. Again, I sat on the bench and mulled matters over. That man was actually alive. He was just soundly sleeping. Then he had a cigarette when he woke up, and then left. Yeah, that was the most logical answer. But then again, maybe not. I'd never actually seen a dead body before, but that person certainly did seem dead. So then, what was the truth? Did someone hide the body in the station, then remove it while I was sleeping in the waiting room? Who smoked the cigarette? It had to be something like that, yeah? I got chills. If I had stayed in the station building, then that meant I would have seen whoever it was. A delinquent? Yakuza? A foreigner? Either way, that person had to be the culprit. What if I started walking to that station in the rain? It would have been dangerous enough as it was, but I didn't feel like that person would just ignore me. Several small incidences piled up, and as a result, I found myself in the safest place to be. I ended up staying in the station until the first train arrived. About 30 minutes before it departed, a shaky old woman entered, and just seeing her filled me with relief. It wasn't like I could report that someone I didn't know died the night before, so I just pretended that it had never happened. When I got home, I searched the news every day, but I never saw anything about what happened. More than a decade has passed since then, and my memories have started to fade. But sometimes, I remember that night whenever I go camping or spend the night outside. I've dreamt about it several times too. Thunder roars at a station as I'm asleep. A man appears in the waiting room and I run away screaming. It goes something like that. Sometimes I think that if I had reported the incident right away, then maybe the security cameras might have caught something that could have solved what happened. But, well, let's just say for now that I imagined the whole thing. Or maybe that it was all nothing more than a dream. Don't forget to check out Koabana Volume 11, out on Amazon right now. And... 
check out our newly revamped merchandise store at koobana.store. And if you'd like to chat about this week's stories, come and join us in the Koobana Discord. You can find that link in the description or on koobana.net. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Tara A. Devlin for exclusive bonus stories and extras, or our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Japan for all sorts of Japanese horror you won't find anywhere else. Thanks guys, stay safe, and I'll see you again next time for even more Kowabana. True Japanese scary stories from around the internet. Want even more scary stories? Head over to koobana.net for new translations every week. You can also join our Patreon for exclusive stories you won't find anywhere else. Head over to koobana.net now.